Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. What's going on, everybody? It is Friday here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I'm your host, Eric Okri. We're here twice a week talking Lions football. And last show on Wednesday, I started my Dollars Make Sense series where I'm going through two different positions, usually offense and defense, and, and talking about the position group as well as their contracts, the dollars, the implications to the roster, on Wednesday, we talked about quarterbacks and linebackers. Today, I paired up another couple groups that I think are very comparable. Everybody says you win in the trenches. Today, we're going to talk about the offensive and the defensive lines, get into all the different players, talk some numbers, talk some dollars, talk some cents, and try to make some more sense out of where this 2021 Detroit Lions team is heading. So before we get going, I mean, l- l- let me just go ahead and fill up everybody's glass. Make sure we're all ready to go here on the Kool Aid cast. We're all uh, liquefied and, and ready to go. Drink it in <laughs> Drinking that Detroit Kool Aid side of cornbread. Cornbread! Cornbread! Make, make it a double. Um, like, like I said, everybody, we, we don't mess around. Let's just dive into football talk. I love jumping on here and talking some football. So let, let's go ahead and start with the defensive line. Let's start with the big dog, the big money man, Trey Flowers. I mean, this guy came in a couple years ago, you know, big New England player, seemed like a perfect fit, got paid crazy money. He actually had an injury at the time, and that kind of slowed him down when he came in here to the Lions. And... I don't know. I mean, I just feel like Trey Flowers has been a big disappointment here in Detroit. It seems to me like the guy is a humble, quiet, very very big physical type football player. But we've really only seen flashes from him. You know, some cleanup sacks, you know, some some plays here or there. But definitely not dominating, you know, from the defensive end type position. And that $18 million number on average is, is a big one. Today, I know last week, uh, last show I kind of spent a lot of time on different types of numbers. Today, I kind of taking the average amount over their contracts. So when you talk about Trey Flowers, he is at that $18 million number. And I don't know. This new coaching staff, they say they're going to play him at more of an outside linebacker. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me because – yeah, Trey Flowers can rush, rush the passer, and maybe you can get him in kind of a a stand-up, you know, motorcycle stance rather than his hand in the dirt, but I definitely don't see Trey Flowers dropping in coverage. I, I don't see him being a guy that's you're going to kind of move all around the line. He seemed to be out of that edge-type position, so 
I just don't know if I like that fit when you're talking about a, a, an outside linebacker. To me, like Julian O'Quara is an outside linebacker type that you can be. He's more of a rush player, but you can call him an outside linebacker, and he has some coverage abilities. But when it comes to, you know, Trey Flowers, he's just too big, too bulky, and I just don't think he has the overall athleticism. He's more of a power player, in my opinion. But I, I think he's he's overpaid right now. I mean, I've always liked his mentality. But it seemed to fit the old coaching staff more so than this new staff that has a lot of swagger. But since, since he's the big dollar man, let's kind of look at his contract in a little more detail. Last year, base salary of $11 million, a cap hit of nearly seventeen. Huge dead cap number of forty-eight million, and his yearly cash was around eleven, yeah, around the eleven million dollar mark. Here in twenty twenty-one, at twenty-eight years old, he's going to be a base salary of just over fourteen million dollars. His signing bonus is going to kick in another five point six. His cap hit is going to be around 20. He still has this huge dead cap number of 32 million, probably part of the reason that he he's still around with the regime change and whatnot. And the yearly cash comes out to around 14-ish. So there is a potential out in 2022, which would make that deal that Bob Quinn signed a three-year, basically $55 million deal, and you'd still be left with 12 12.8 basically in dead cap if you move on after this season. So that's what I would see the Detroit Lions doing is just hoping that you can get a productive year out of Trey, whether it comes to can he get into that double-digit sack number like we all have been hoping for. You know, can he be that leader? Can he be that big physical presence on this big defensive line that we'll get into? But I see them kind of moving on in 2022, you know, moving some other guys around, maybe investing more in the young talent, maybe drafting a guy at the top of the draft that's more of a physical, bendy-type player. But I wanted to spend a little bit more time on Trey Flowers just based on his contract, what he makes, and some of the implications uh, coming around the corner for the Lions. So there are so many defensive linemen. I just got to keep this thing moving because – What's crazy is the Lions could not rush the passer last year. They really couldn't. Like, they couldn't get a guy off a spot. They couldn't push the pocket. They didn't have many sacks, which obviously didn't create many turnovers. And this year I'm looking at their front, and, God, a lot of bodies they can roll in and out. I mean, I'm talking big boys, too, and guys that have had production in the league and young guys that might be on the come up. So, Let's just keep it moving. I was going to talk about Michael Brockers next, but since I just spent a lot of time on Trey, let's go ahead and talk about Levi. Big denim. Levi owns Enrique um, coming in here for the Lions, second-round pick. I mean, this guy, he's he's a defensive. I think they have him listed as a – is he a tackle or an end here on the uh, Spot Track website? They've got Levi as a – why can't I find this right now? Because he's kind of a tweener. They have him as a DT, but he I think he's going to play more of an end-type role in this defense. You know, he's going to be kicked out a little bit with, with McNeil in the middle and Brockers, Flowers, or Aquara kind of on that other side. It's kind of how I see it going down if they are doing a 3-4 type setup. But I like this guy's game. I really do. And if i got to preach it a million times, I'll continue to do so. I mean, the contract is crazy. He took him in the high second round, 
Levi's making an average over the four years of the rookie deal of two million bucks. Two million bucks a year, sixteen million dollars less than Trey Flowers. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets similar type production. Now, Levi might have to earn his role. He might be they may bring him along a little bit slower, you know, as they often do with some of these rookies. He he may need to tighten up either when it comes to conditioning or he seems to be a pretty big, powerful, physical type of guy. Or maybe because they love this guy so much. They said they were gonna trade up in the first round or they were gonna go get him that maybe they just roll out and let him hunt, you know, till two million dollars a year, big old physical presence. I like the player a lot, so I'm excited about Levi. Deshaun Hand, I mean, here's another crazy thing. I think the Lions traded up in the, I believe it was the fourth round, and they gave up a future third to to go get Deshaun Hand, if if I'm not mistaken there. And Deshaun Hand, over his contract, again, a fourth-round pick, is only making, on average, 785 k Now, Deshaun Hand came on the scene early and made plays. He looks like a beast in the uniform. You heard his interviews. He was just tremendous. Interviews seemed like a really... He seems like a guy that I think might come alive again with this coaching staff because when you hear his interviews, he's humble and cool, but he's also got personality. And I think injuries have hurt this guy. I think that if he could come back on the scene and be a three-tech interior player that can also kick outside, that would be very helpful for the Detroit Lions. So, you know, Deshaun Hand, I'm really liking his contract as well as what he can maybe do in a bounce-back season here. But let me go back to Michael Brockers now. Now, Michael Brockers, they brought in from the L.A. Rams. This is a guy he's kind of on the back you know portion of his career but as I said on a previous show I think he's got anywhere from two to four years or so of of good quality football and production and the Lions redid his deal they they value him he's probably going to be a captain of this football team and I've got him on average of what he's got left I don't I'm pretty sure this takes into consideration the new deal he did here and all that eight million bucks for Michael Brockers which you know, I, I don't necessarily like paying defensive tackles, but Brockers, when you see him in the uniform, is I mean, he's lean, he's long, he is thir- over 30 years old right now. But I don't mind that at all. When you dig a little bit deeper into the contract, I mean, 31 years old heading to this season, a base salary of only a million dollars, a signing bonus kicked in there of $2 million, makes his cap hit only $3 million flat this year. And yearly cash at seven, and then next year, his base goes from one up to seven million dollars, so a six million dollar increase there. His signing bonus amount stays the same. His cap hit goes from three up to nine million dollars. Dead cap actually lowers from eleven down to eight million dollars, and he has that same yearly cash of seven. So that's what you're looking at the next two years. Those would be the most productive years, hopefully. Now, could I see Michael Brockers also being a player that either underperforms or just doesn't find a good fit here in Detroit and can't do what he's used to doing with Aaron Donald and people around him and a better defense, better offense? Yeah, I could see it. But I really like those numbers from Michael Brockers. I really love what I hear from this guy in the in the media sessions. I think he could be a tremendous guy to bring some of these young cats along as well as just be a nice transition piece for this team while they kind of restock the shelves both on defense and get some nasty. He can give that nasty mentality to some of these young guys, McNeil, Levi, Chand, Austin Bryant, guys like that. So, you know, you're looking at 
you're looking at those two years and then a potential out in 2023, which would just make it a straight up two years, 14 for, for Michael Brockers, seven per, um, you know, with a little bit of dead cap. That's where the eight kind of comes in. But again, he's under contract the following year too at 33 years old, $10 million base, same signing bonus, cap hit of around $12 million. Dead cap is nothing at that point, $2 million. And would just count $10 million basically in yearly. So, I mean, again, we'll just see how he plays. Uh, if he plays well and he's very uh, – his leadership's on point, I, I don't see a problem maybe with keeping him in that third year. But definitely this year and most likely next year as well. Um, Michael Brockers seems like a really good player. I'm excited to have him on the team, no doubt about it. Let's go to the young cat. They took him in the third round. First pick that they had in the third round, Aleem McNeil. This guy is very intriguing. He's big. He has crazy feet. He can move. He, along with Levi, both have that nasty mentality. He wants to try to disrupt and kill the quarterback, not sit there and bear hug guys on the on the line there as most nose tackles or you know big bodies like to do. I'm really excited to see this guy. It's kind of one of the guys I got circled. Of, I just got to see him in the uniform. I got to see how impactful he is. But they took him high in the third round, so he really does need to be disruptive, um, making you know holes for linebackers to make plays, other guys on the defensive line. I want to see this guy rack up some TFLs and find his way after the quarterback as well. But McNeil, over a four-year contract, he's only making 1.3 on average. Really like that deal. I think this guy could be a fan favorite in Detroit as well if he gets rolling. And the more and more after they made that pick, the more and more I start to like it because I would have probably went with like a Deami Brown, a wide receiver there because I really liked his talent. But the fact that they went Levi and McNeil back-to-back tells me they want to be physical, they want to be disruptive, they want to build in the trenches, all those stuff that you always hear about, but hasn't quite worked out here in Detroit, but uh, I'm all about it. So Flowers, Rockers, McNeil, Levi, Hand, I mean, drink it in, everybody. Drink it in, man. Let's keep this moving on the defensive line. You got Pennacini, who was here last year, productive player, uh, 866K on average. I mean, I like Pennacini, but I feel like he was a better fit for the old scheme. I could see him being down, you know, downgraded in his role as well as, you know, being a player that could possibly be passed by if McNeil and some of the other vets they have are just straight up better and, and more productive, more um, just more athletic, all that different stuff. But like I said, he was a good player, real humble guy off the field. If he's around and he's a depth piece or a rotational tackle, I don't mind that either. Here's a guy that seems like a cut casualty to me, but he's still around. The staff seems to like him. He always looks like a monster when it comes to – he looks like he's been doing curls his whole life and just a monster in the weight room. But Nick Williams, you know, came over here from Chicago, had really one-year production. Didn't do much, from my opinion, last year with the Lions. I couldn't tell you one play he made. I didn't notice him barely whatsoever. I mean, the guy makes $5 million. I would definitely rather take that $5 million and go try to find another veteran safety that can make plays on the football or, gosh, a, a, one of these receivers that gets cut that could add to the room. I mean, I was just looking today. Like, I don't know what they're doing over there with the New York Giants, but 
between all those offensive weapons they added, like if the Lions could scoop up like a Sterling Shepard if he was available, um, gosh, that'd be a nice receiver piece. Still pretty young. Always liked his game. You know, much rather do that than have Nick Williams on this team. Just seems redundant. I'd rather have Levi taking the snaps than Nick Williams would have there on the in the defensive tackle, defensive end type position. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Nick Williams. I'm not expecting much, and that's a hefty number, $5 million from him. Let's talk about the big boy. Romeo Quara got paid this offseason. I mean, $12.3 million on average. He's here for the next four years. I really like Romeo. He's crazy young, too. Most people are like, man, he's been around a few years. Yeah, the guy's like 23. I think he's 24 years old, somewhere in that range. Like, that's crazy young. He's smart. Really surprising sometimes when you see his bull rush or you see the way he can bend and get after the quarterback. Two years of production, one really low down year here in Detroit. I think it was a nice way to reward a young cat that also has his brother here on the team. I expect big things. I expect consistent quality production from Romeo. Is he ever going to be like a top name at defensive end? No. But could he be a really nice piece for this defense, an athletic defensive end that can even drop in coverage a bit and come off the edge as well as move down inside when you need him to? Yeah, I think Romeo is very versatile and a really great guy off the field. So love that contract. Love that they kept him around. 12.3 is no joke when you're talking about his money, but... Like I say, if they move on from Trey Flowers and get another young guy in here that's less expensive, then you got Romeo, you got Brockers, you got another rookie in here. That's how you make the the dollars work, how you make it make sense. So Julian O'Quara, his brother, I just mentioned him. Um, He's an outside linebacker, but I put him here on the D-line because he wears number 99, and this guy's going to rush the passer. He was quoted recently of saying him and his brother want to be the first brother duo to get double-digit sacks. I mean, that's some big... That's some big-time thinking by Julian. Julian had a really poor rookie year, injuries, didn't really notice him, didn't see the type of things you saw in college with him at Notre Dame. He's talking like he's going to have a big year. I really need to see some just big-time plays from this guy. I want to see him screaming off the edge on blitzes. I want to see him getting his hand in the dirt and being able to rip and, and move around guys and get after the quarterback. I want to see him... When he's asked to be stout in the run game or cover a tight end of some sort, being able to do so. Um, He was a third-round pick, and he needs to play like one. So his contract, again, talking about the dollars and cents, 1.23 over the four-year type rookie deal. He's in year two now. We need to see a big step up from Julian. And I hope and think it'll come. He's another guy I've circled I want to watch. Number 99 on the Lions defense. Nobody's going to be talking about him. Nobody has any expectations. But I'm going to have my eye on Julian O'Quara and hope that he balls out. Another one of my favorites right here is Austin Bryant. This guy came out of Clemson. Big dude. But when I've seen him in the jersey, I mean, he's blocked a few kicks. He's always seems to kind of be disruptive. And then there's times where... Again, he just has those games when he's been in no man's land and he's been hurt way too much. So Austin Bryant makes no money again as a fourth rounder. Uh, he might even been taken in the fifth. I can't remember. 812K. I mean, I like his athleticism. I always have liked his mentality. But you got to stay healthy and you got to find a role for this guy. Is he a rusher? Is he an interior penetrator? Uh, what does he do uh, other than block block kicks, like I said, and play a handful of games a year. I need to see more from Austin Bryant. 
I think the game, the potential's there, but you got to find a way to unleash it. And hopefully, these coaches will do so. Gosh, man, I've probably been rolling about 20 minutes here, and I still got more D linemen. I probably got four to six more D linemen to talk about, but we'll move through these last guys pretty quickly, uh, kind of lower on the roster. Charles Harris, this was a guy I actually liked in the draft process, went down to Miami, then went to Atlanta, and just never really come together for this guy. I mean, when I'm looking at the numbers and all these bodies up front, I really don't see where Charles Harris fits in. You know, I don't see him beating out many of these edge rushers. I don't see him being a great outside backer when it comes to cover or blitzing and I don't know I was kind of excited when they got him but then when they doubled it in the draft and you got all this money at and Trey and some of these other guys if you're playing a 3-4 like I just don't see it for for Charles Harris but you know it'd be nice if he could find a niche as well and, and be able to be a fireball off the edge that'd be great Jay Sean Cornell you know it came out here recently that he's suspended I want to say what was it three games somewhere in that range um it starts the season for an off-the-field incident. Seemed like a DWI of some sort where he had some things going on off the field and said it won't happen again. But Jay Sean Cornell, he's from that school, you know, that I hate to speak of here on the show. I mean, gosh, I hate to do it, but I might as well. I mean, you know... You, you, you know I got a drop here somewhere for that school. I mean, don't you? I mean, I, I don't like to mention the school, but I, I do like to do this. Hey, listen, Ohio State sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about the guy from the school that plays left tackle that I've grown to enjoy here on the Detroit Lions. But, I mean, they took Cornell out of that school I shall not speak of and – the guy blew his Achilles out on like his first rep, I think it was, uh, you know, last year. He seems like he's fought back. Uh, you know, I see him in drills. It's pretty surprising. He's a big physical looking dude, but now with the off the field issue and things, like there were some good PFF grades and whatnot on this guy, but I really just don't see it. You know, I see like a guy that either makes the bottom of the roster or, you know, is another missed draft pick by Bob Quinn. Kevin Strong is the next guy. I mean, some people love this guy. He's an underrated type player. He's kind of big and physical, but I've never seen too many flashes from him except for here and there and very few and far between. I mean, I I could see him being a a roster casualty as well, 762K. As I said, I want to say he's been around here two or three years. It just seems like... You know, they're going to have to trim, and, and Kevin Strong might be that player that they have to move on from or that they might find a, an upgrade um, at with some of these other guys. Uh, Brian Price is a guy they brought in. I mean, I think they have him listed as kind of a nose tackle type. I mean, this guy doesn't do anything for me. Again, the craziness of NFL general managers that just feel like, yeah, let's go get Brian Price in the offseason. Like, I don't know if he's a camp body or what they see in this guy, but, I mean – just doesn't really have any production I think he's had some injuries and whatnot it's just kind of like I just don't see why you would need to add this guy but that's the crazy carousel game that the NFL GMs play with these bottom roster guys where they either see a reason or see something in them where us fans and people out there are just kind of like man you could get another player at a linebacker receiver safety corner whatever it may be that just seems like a better investment than Brian Price they brought on Gilbert here from the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this guy's a defensive end, outside linebacker listed. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see much. I mean, maybe they, they find a deep role or special team type role for this guy. I don't know. And then Heath was another defensive lineman they had on the roster. 
that uh, is on IR. None of these last guys that I mentioned really, you know, make any dough or some of their contracts weren't even out there, you know, on on spot track or whatever. But I I just think, you know, all those big bodies, I'm looking at one, two, three, six, nine, I mean, basically 12 guys when you get down to Cornell that I mentioned. And, and what do you keep, you know, on a, on a roster? Maybe like eight you know, um, eight defensive linemen somewhere in that in that range when it's all said and done. So definitely gonna have to trim up some of these guys that on the front lines that I mentioned and some of the bottom of the roster guys or either those those camp bodies that we talk about or those guys that are here but, you know, just really have no chance of making the roster. So that's kind of the dollars and cents about the defensive linemen. I am excited about this group. I do feel like they're big. They're physical. They're nasty. They have a couple big contracts. They also have a lot of low contracts with rookies and investments they've made, either at defensive end or defensive tackle. Will some of the guys I mentioned take a leap up, or will I be looking at here next year going, man, Sean Hands off the roster, you know, Austin Bryant didn't give us anything. Julian O'Quarr didn't look as good as he said he would in the media. They kept Nick Williams around. That was a mistake. <clears throat> you know, Levi had one of those rookie years that you don't like to see. I mean, what I hope I'm saying is, man, Flowers, Brockers, McNeil, Levi, Hand, Romeo, and Julian, and Austin Bryant are a handful. They can roll in units on that front line and get after your quarterback. I mean, that's what the Detroit Lions need, no doubt about it. So there's the dollars and cents, everybody. I will take a quick break, get my great sponsors in here, and come back and talk about the offensive linemen, the big hogs up front. We'll talk about them right after the break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, I am fired up. I am excited to tell you about one of our new great sponsors. Now, by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, it's time to go see what the buzz in the Dynasty fantasy community is all about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, and so much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Do you think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. So here's what I need all you guys to do. Head over to Reality Sports Online. You'll hear me talk about it on the show and call it RSO. Head over to Reality Sports Online and check them out right now. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, uh, thank you so much for coming back from the break. Thank you for listening to our sponsors. If you love fantasy football, you got to go check out Reality Sports Online. Please also check out my other podcast that usually drops Thursday mornings. Not usually. It drops every week on Thursday mornings. It's called Believe, B-L-E-A-V in Lions, Believe in Lions on the Believe Podcasting Network. And that's a fun show as well. I mean, I love talking Lions football. I love talking football in general. You can find me on Twitter at Derek Okri. That's spelled D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Love talking Michigan football, fantasy football, sports in general, and definitely Detroit Lions. So find me on there. Hit the subscribe button. If you like this show, go back and listen to previous Kool-Aid casts where we have different guests on, lots of laughter, lots of jokes. And I sometimes I come on here solo. And just break it down and talk straight up football, which is pretty much what I'm doing uh, here on this show. So hit that subscribe button, share with a friend. I really appreciate it. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all the different podcast platforms. You basically just type in Google Detroit Kool-Aid Cast. It'll pop up. I mean, going on two, three years of the show, hundreds of episodes you can enjoy from back in the day or, or the current shows. Really appreciate the support. Absolutely. The fans, the Detroit Lions fans, the city. Um just unbelievable i just can't wait till this team is a winner and all the national media and everybody out there can just shove it because they just continue to beat up on the lions continue to say how we're never going to be good or we're years away and i see them building something i like this regime will it take a little bit of time possibly but just because they've been bad for a while doesn't mean it's going to continue and when i'm talking dollars that makes sense we're getting into the reason why not just throwing out just generalities. We're talking about the, the contracts, the dollars, the reasons, the players, why this team is going to be set up nice, both from a salary cap perspective, a draft capital perspective, and just having ball players, just having dogs on the football field. That's what they're trying to find. That's what Brad Holmes and Dan freaking Campbell are trying to find. And, I mean, it basically comes down to, you know, Dan Campbell's mantra. I mean, these are the kind. This is the kind of mentality that we're looking for in Detroit. We're going to bite a kneecap off. We're going to smile at you. We're going to take your other kneecap. We're going to smile at you. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. We're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. Uh... Drink that in, Detroit Kool Aid drinkers. All right, so I got some promos off the bat. I appreciate you listening. The sponsors, go check them out. Definitely helps the show. And let's get into offensive linemen here. So what's what's so great about the dollars and cents and why investing in the O-line makes so much sense is, you know, it's been said for years here in Detroit. Like, again, when – when the Lions had Big Lomas Brown, whatnot, that was before my time as a as a football fan, and especially a Lions fan. But those big dogs up front helped Barry do his thing, Barry, and and like it helped the passing game. It it gives you a sense of mentality. Now since then, 
the Lions have invested. I don't want to act like they've totally ignored the offensive line because over the years they've spent resources on tackles, interior players, centers. You know, you can just go down the list, but what we haven't had is like, especially for the last, you know, bunch of years, it was like they're bringing in these finesse pass blocking type players. You know, they might have good previous pass blocking grades or they might be that type of specialist. We'd never have people that can come off the ball, knock your head off and intimidate you and also work as a unit. You know, you're always bringing in guys left, right and center, revolving door at the right tackle. You know, you haven't had uh, any centers until they finally found Frank Ragnall here and spent a first round pick on him. So. You know, it's Detroit has been wanting a big-time defense and a big-time offensive line for a long time. There's been a few times where we thought we had it. Even the last time the Lions either almost won the division or got to the playoffs against Dallas, they had a nasty defensive line and a good O-line, you know. Uh, that's those are both very important pieces there's no doubt now in today's game you'll hear me talk about man you you need those speed guys you need playmakers it's a it's more of an open wide open game so this whole trenches you know it's important but it's not the end all be all like some people make it out to be but the lions have heavily invested we're talking dollars that make sense here on the show they've invested money they've invested draft capital and they are really putting together a nice unit on the offensive line. And, you know, lots of high-end publications are saying, putting, I think, Pro Football Focus just put the Lions in the top 10 in regards to offensive line. So let's talk about them. Let's start with Taylor Decker. I mean, this guy was taken, was he taken around, you know, pick 15, 20, somewhere in that range, uh, first round, first pick that Bob Quinn made. You know, he was a good left tackle, but again, he was more of that pass blocker I've been talking about. He was kind of the best player on the board. It was a glaring need for the Lions, and he came in and started from day one. He's just been a rock over there at the left side. Am I am I putting him in the Hall of Fame or saying that he's just the, the absolute perfect football player? No, but as I continue to say on this show, there's plenty of Lions games where I never notice anybody coming off that that side, you know? And again, the couple times where Taylor Decker does get on roller skates or gets beat, yeah, everybody's going to point it out because he's the left tackle and because you got to protect your quarterback. We get it. But the guy is really solid. He's technically just, you know, fundamentally sound over there. He's a great guy in the locker room. He's grown as a leader over the last few years. And the Lions paid him. Now, yeah, Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn paid this guy, but I think the new regime is really happy to have him as well. Now, he's not making peanuts, but he also left tackles make a lot of money. So on average, over the next four-plus years, he's making $15 million. But to me, that's a nice price point for a young, quality, leadership-type left tackle that you can count on. And more than happy to pay him. I'm glad to have him over there. I'm not going to worry too much about the position. So Taylor Decker has really grown on me and is just very solid. Not sitting here telling you he's a perennial all-pro or he's a dominant. He's not that guy. Like I even said, that puts a fear of God in you when he walks off the bus. But he gets the job done. He's a very quality top 10 type left tackle, if not higher than that. Now the Lions in the third round last year invested in Jonah Jackson I mean again Taylor Decker Jonah Jackson 
I mean, I hate to do it twice in, in one show, but I guess I got to. Hey, listen, Ohio State sucks. <laughs> That's that Michigan Wolverines coming out with me, everybody. I hated these guys in college, but when you put on that Honolulu blue and silver, I don't mind it. So these guys have grown on me. Jonah Jackson, Taylor Decker, your Lions now. And Jonah Jackson, to me, I mean, you can look at his grades. He was like mid to even like below average when you really look at a lot of his analytics. But I liked what I saw from the kid, man. He just kind of plugged in at the left side. They used him at the right guard a little bit as well. $1.19 million. Um, for Jonah Jackson, I mean, he's here for three more years on that rookie deal. You gotta love that. That's very good value. I think he's gonna grow and be a very, very solid left guard. I would leave him over on that side because between Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, and Big Frank Ragnow in the middle, it's a hell of a unit that can grow together. They're all young and they're all very quality guys and football players. But Big Frank Ragnow got his aid. I mean, Frank. Doesn't really seem like he's all about the money, but, I mean, you know it's all about the money when it's all said and done. (laughs) And Frankie, I mean, dude was straight up laughing all the way to the bank, uh, happy when he was able to ink up with the Lions for years to come. Everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. That's the one I was looking for. I wanted to laugh. Frank, uh, you know, he's a real humble guy. I mean, he was real happy that he could do this for his family and got real emotional. But, man, did he get paid. Like 13.5 over the life of the contract, the highest paid center in the National Football League. But I think he's earned it, man. He's real solid in there as well. He does get after you. If he gets his hands on you, you're going backwards and going the ground at times. And he makes all the calls, good leader. I mean, I like everything that Frankie brings uh, there in the middle, so I was really happy to get him paid. But between 13.5 and 15, that's a that's a good chunk of change up there on two of your offensive linemen. But the Lions have done it right. They subsidized it with a rookie at the left side, and now they had a rookie right tackle. I'm going to get to him in a moment. But here's where I got the issue. Right guard to me. And, and this is where I'm at with it. Hal Vitae, I mean, was brought in by Bob Quinn. He seemed like an interesting prospect, but everybody that looked at the deal and saw like f- four years, forty million, and you know, ten million dollars on average, you know, type of deal. I mean, the Lions basically can get out with no issues after this season. The new regime seems seems to like Hal Vitae at right guard. He played right guard last year; was a little bit better. He's there's just something wrong with him, like at right tackle. He, he just can't move or bend or whatever it may be. I just don't like him out there based on what I saw. But I, I don't mind him at right guard. I mind him at right guard at $9 million per. <laughs> I mean, let me see. i got to bring up, while, while I'm chatting here, I'm going to bring up Hal Vitae because I want to see if they could get out. Like if this guy doesn't produce in uh, in camp, can we get out of Hal Vitae's deal now and save that money? Because my opinion is you took Logan Stenberg in the fourth round. He was a mauler in college. You didn't play him one snap last year. Throw him in there and just let him go to work. I mean, Hal Vitae's 28 years old this year. $9 million base, 1.4 signing. 
10.4 on the cap. Yeah, it's a $14 million dead cap if you move on from them instead of just $9 million in average or yearly cash. And then you can get out after this year and only have $4 million in dead cap. So that's what they're going to do. How Vitae is going to be around after this season. If he plays decent, great. I mean, depending on what they do with Crosby, who I'll talk about in a minute as well. Like, Crosby could play right guard. Stenberg could play right guard. Like, to me, you know, with all the other investments they've already made, like, should be able to put almost anybody in there and make it work. Be Still be a good unit. Just stick with whoever you want to go with and let them get some chemistry and just go, you know. But, gosh, that's a big number for him. Uh, so... Well, we will see. You know, he's basically here, but that that does make it an expensive old line with the two guys I already mentioned, nine million with Vitae and and Sewell because you took him at seventh overall. He makes around six million on average as well. So, Penny Sewell. I mean, I love the player. It was a little concerning when he came out and said, you know, playing right side is like writing left-handed if you've been right-handed your whole life. Um, that that would seem very uncomfortable to me and, and almost impossible, but we've seen many of tackles, you know, be asked to go to the right side. They all seem to figure it out. Now, the Lions have time, even if he comes out and he's a little bit shaky or whatever. I'm not going to freak out, you know. I feel like this guy's a good enough athlete, and he seems very accepting, and he's going to have to be over there. I mean, the Lions just paid Taylor Decker. Taylor Decker's a good football player. They're not going to just move him. Even though I think you could have told him this offseason, hey, we need you on the right side, and he might be able to figure it out better than than Sewell or quicker, and you could could have just put Sewell as your big old left tackle. But, you know, Sewell will be on the right side. I love the kid. I love the player. He's dominant. His feet are crazy. He can come out and kill you in the, uh, in the screen game. I love everything he brings. People have heard me say that since the moment they drafted him. Six million bucks a year is very nice for a very high-end quality right tackle that can also play left if something was to happen to Taylor Decker. So, I love that as well. Logan Stenberg, who I mentioned earlier, the guy only makes a million bucks. So either need to use him or move on from him, but he's too young. You invested too much draft capital to make the, let this guy go another year where he just never sees the football field. When you're talking about the bottom of the roster, I mean, again, it starts with Ty- Tyrell Crosby. Final year of his deal, making 686 k on average over the life of his deal. I know he wants to kind of move on and get a starting spot and try to make some big money. I'm sorry to tell you, Tyrell Crosby, from what I've seen of you and your mentality and just your overall personality, you're not going to be some big old highly paid tackle in the National Football League. You're, you, If I were you, I'd be very happy to be back up in this league and continue to collect a check so you don't have to go and shine the old shoes and, and the balls there at the bowling alley. So Tyrell Crosby is a guy that eats Chipotle multiple times I mean I don't see him dedicated to his craft he's pretty good because he's a big body and he's got decent feet and whatnot but I see him as a career backup in the National Football League I see him probably staying around with the Lions I mean I don't know what somebody's going to give up for this guy but I assume if you get a a later type pick you know it'd be well worth it to move him along and we'll see what happens with him, you know, but I don't, I don't see him going somewhere and getting paid, even though tackles are somewhat hard to come by. The Lions kind of did a couple sneaky investments when it comes to undrafted guys this year. I mean, they took Tommy Kramer from Notre Dame, 880 k on average. 
They took Drake, this kid out of Kentucky, so he he played with Stenberg as well. Um, you know, just kind of a backup center there, interior guard when you're talking about Drake. But I've heard some good things about the kids. So you got those two guys. You got Dan Skipper, who's about six foot ten, seven feet tall, however big he is. I mean, this guy is a guy that continues to stick around the roster. I don't see anything coming from him, but he continues to be around. And and Matt Nelson, this is a guy that was been a project. The Lions, hey, we cease things. I think he even started or had to go in in a pinch last year. He's okay. He's aight. But I don't see any big things out of Matt Nelson, the former defensive tackle, I believe, now turned offensive tackle. Like, I mean, to me, your best-case scenario would be keep Crosby, have him be your left-slash-right swing tackle for this season and figure it out after that. And, you know, you maybe you keep one of these interior players that I mentioned, whether it be Kramer, Drake, whoever it may be, Stenberg, to be that interior guy that can play each side and, and just do some things. But they're set up really nice on the offensive line. You know, this following year after the season, it's going to be Decker, Jackson, Ragnow, hopefully Stenberg and Sewell, and we'd love to see them grow together. I don't want to see the Lions go out and spend big money or go – even this season, you've heard these rumblings about they're going to give Trey Turner, the interior guard, like $5 million here late in free agency. No. No, your offensive line is fine, and I don't want you to go spending like a second or third round pick next year to get a right guard. You're fine on the offensive line. Just figure out that right-hand spot and let these guys grow and, and, and level out the dollars and cents a little bit because then you can have two big paid guys, a couple cheap players, that are quality in the interior. And then you have Sewell making six to eight million dollars probably on average over the life of the contract out at right. And if he's as good as we hope he is, we'll have to pay him that big fifth year option and then you'll have to extend him and he'll be a highly, highly paid right or left tackle at that point. But that's four or five years down the road. Lions set up really good on the offensive line from a dollars and cents perspective, from the youth side of things. And I think they're going to be really good on the football field, and that's what really matters, being able to be helpful to DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams in the run game, be able to give Jared Goff time. If Jared Goff has time, I'm here to tell you, he's going to slice up some defense. He's going to be fun to watch. If he's if he's disrupted, if he gets knocked off his spot, you're going to see the same turnovers and same issues and same kind of, you know, you're not going to get the type of leadership you will if he's clean and he's able to sling it and he's able to show a little bit of moxie back there. So that's going to be number one is keeping these guys clean and being they got to find a nasty too. You have to push people around in the run game. And the Lions haven't been able to do that since I became a fan. It's been a, quite a few years now as well as they're always at the bottom in rushing they're always at the bottom when it comes to nasty up front, and now I feel like they're going to be in that top 10, top 12 right off the get-go, hopefully with some bigger upside. And DeAndre Swizzle has tons of potential if you give him creases and if you block for him in the screen game, and I can't wait to see it. So the D-line, the O-line, I'm excited about both groups. I think the D-line can really surprise people. The O-line is going to have some nice expectations, both set up really well when you're talking financially and salary cap wise and i'm excited to see it so everybody thank you so much for listening again to the detroit kool-aid cast that's my dollars make sense series part two 
I think next week I got Logan Lamarandier, and I think we're going to dive into wide receivers and corners. And who else? Who, who knows what else we might talk about? I might twist his arm, get him back on the Wednesday and the Friday show. Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated All Lines. Me and him love talking football. We do it all day, every day, if we could. But that'll be a fun show. This week's been great, everybody. I say it a million times, but I can't thank you enough for listening. Please don't forget to have yourself a triple side of cornbread this week. Cornbread! 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 And wash it down with that Detroit Kool-Aid. Drink it in, man. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Drink it in, man.